A Chronicle of Peacocks is a short story written by Pakistani writer Imtiaz Indisar Hussain and it is a typical example of how the writer travels from personal feelings to the feelings of a nation. At last, how he realizes the issue of humanity in it. Narrator's own experience forms the crust of the story, the politics of the subcontinent is its mantle and humanness is its core. Thus, he actually chronicles the voice of his soul. Narrator is not given a name, representing the nameless voices that are in the void. The story was written in the 1990s, a period of tension in Indo-Pakistan border. He negotiates the relationship we relationship and we realize the history and the civilization both countries have in common. Sometimes literature can act as a mouthpiece of the downtrodden. This particular story, A Chronicle of the Peacocks, has a different, totally different narrative style altogether. It does not follow a linear pattern where uh, the story gradually progresses from one sequence to the other. Whereas it has a lot of uh, interwoven stories which includes the Jataka tales, Panjatantra tales and all the myths and the uh, epics of the Indian tradition. You all are very familiar, might be very familiar with the Jataka stories and the Panjatantra stories where uh, we have uh, where we come across the philosophy of life, of d lives of different people. He feels that understanding of uh, the past is very much essential for the, uh, the present, for dealing with the present. That may be one reason he uh, brings in all the historical elements into this particular story. Mid-20th century witnessed the geographical boundaries across the globe being redrawn and thus resulted in a search for redefined identities. In many cases, these political boundaries became incapable of encompassing the cultural and the historical complexities and the cultural boundaries remained fuzzy. So uh, this particular story, as I already mentioned, it's a brilliant story of loss, memories, exile, and the futility of war. With an allegorical touch, the narrator of the story compares the competitive testing of nuclear weapons by India and Pakistan in May to 1998 to the great uh, war of Mahabharat. He is haunted by the cursed shadow of Ashwadhama and the question raised by Parikshit about the futility of war. The craving for peace and joy symbolized by peacocks that have departed from the nuclear test remains unfulfilled. I have already shared uh, the materials about Smiling Buddha or the first um, atomic test done by India in Pokhran in 1998. Uh, I hope you have read the uh, materials already. and. Uh, this story is connected with the consequences of uh, the Pokhran test, first test in Pokhran. The story begins like this. 
Allah alone knows why this evil spirit is after me. I am shocked and upset. I had actually gone there to inquire after the well-being of the peacocks. How was I to know that this evil spirit would grab hold of me? So the narrator of the story begins by lamenting that an evil spirit is after him and then recounts the events that led to his encounter with the curse shadow. So from the beginning of the story itself we are not given a hint about uh, the fact that this story about peacocks can be anywhere related to nuclear bomb uh, explosions. It all began when the narrator read in a news report about India's second nuclear test in May 1998 after the explosion. The peacocks of Rajasthan had screamed and flown up in the, in the air in fear. The author quite naturally was traumatized after reading this particular news report. So what he thought was that he will write a piece of writing he will write he will dedicate a piece of writing for the peacocks who were affected by this nuclear explosion we have to note here we have to remember the fact that um, how a fact that we also react in the same way when some natural calamities or issues happen in and around us we think of responding we think of representing ourselves or making ourselves heard through the social media or through other medias and then keep ourselves silent rather than acting uh, directly we prefer to respond through the media or to express ourselves on the paper so in the text it goes like this in page number 44 for all those who have the text can refer back to the page, page number 44 where it says immediately I wrote a column expressing my sympathy for the peacocks and thought that having done my duty I was free from all further obligations but had I really done my duty was I actually free that insignificant piece of information disturbed me in the same way as that small fish has disturb, had disturbed Manuji. The author then talks about Malsi avatar of Lord Vishnu. According to Malsi Burana, Lord Vishnu incarnated as half fish and half human and guided the king Satyavrat or Manu to save himself. Before the advent of the civilized code of conduct, people lived without a sense of law. So since they started living uh, by their own laws and disobeyed the, uh, the rights and their own duties, uh, there were problems in the society. The world could not function like this. Therefore, the trinity, that is Brahma, Vishnu and Shiva, decided to dissolve the world to start it afresh. They tried to create, they wanted to solve the problem and um, wanted to create a world, new world. They however needed a righteous man to, who could help them set up a new civiliz civilization. King Manu was such a man. To test Manu, Vishnu took the form of a small fish, approached Manu as he was offering his morning pray prayers standing in a river 
The tiny fish approached Manu and asked him to save its life. The law of nature has no place for such a request. A small fish exists, exists to, uh, to be fed by a bigger fish. Manu, however, was overcome by compassion, so he took the little fish in his palm and took it back to his palace where it was promptly put in a jar. Overnight, the fish grew and the pond became too small for it. Manu ordered the fish to be transferred to a bigger tank. The fish grew this as well in a matter of hours. The fish was then transferred to a pond, then a river and eventually to a sea. Realizing that this was no ordinary fish, Manu requested it to reveal its true form to him. Vishnu appears before Manu and tells him that a great flood would soon engulf the earth. To ensure the continuation of the world, he was told to collect seeds of all kinds and a pair of all kinds of animals and build a great ark within seven days. On the eighth day, it started raining heavily. Vishnu appears again in the form of a giant fish and towed the ark away to the top of Himalaya, which is the only piece of land not submerged in water. Manu becomes the progenitor of humanity. By showing compassion and using his power of intellect to discriminate between situations, Manu has shown himself to be an apt person for the establishment of courts of a more civilized world. This story of the Malsya Avatar might actually remind you of Noah's Ark, the, uh, the biblical story. It, it, is almost, it almost has the same theme, though it uh, is related to two different religious beliefs. In page number 45, after uh, the story of Malsya Avatar, we, have, we come back to the present situation where the author talks about how uh, he had seen peacocks when he visited Jaipur. The dignity, grace and royal elegance impressed him and he felt that they had come to welcome him and to bid him farewell. He tries to imagine the city without the peacocks and the songs, wondering where they are hiding. In a vision, he sees a lonely battered peacock sitting on a hill. It flies away in, the fright, in fright before he can reach the hill. So in this uh, text, it goes like this. Everywhere I looked, in the courtyard, on the parapet, around the fountain, or the balconies, there were peacocks, peacocks and more peacocks. Peacocks with bright blue tails, they had a quiet dignity and a royal grace and a calm elegance. I felt as if I were in the very cradle of beauty, love and peace. The next evening, as I was about to leave the city, I saw peacocks on every tree, rock and hill. The movements had the same peace, the same grace, the same beauty. As the evening shadows deepened, the air was filled with the songs of, song of peacocks. I thought they were there to both welcome and bid me farewell. So whenever the author uh, had a recollection, recollection or a memory about the trip to Jaipur, it was the image of the peacock that came to his mind all of a sudden. Jaipur, as you already know, is the biggest, Rajasthan's biggest city and its capital. It's all, also known as the pink city due to the distinct color of its buildings. So the author, rather than being fascinated by the monuments or the colorful markets or the 
handloom garments or the uh, wonderful gardens over there, he remembers only the image of the peacocks uh, which flew there to welcome him whenever he thinks of Jaipur. So after the uh, Pokhran test, the peacocks were totally affected by the effects of the uh, test and most of them were not at all visible anywhere there. So the author is trying to pictureize the Jaipur without peacocks and he is thinking aloud about where the peacocks have gone and in the text in page number 45 it goes like this, where has he gone, where are his companions, those countless peacocks, why is he sitting alone on that hill, the very picture of desolation, why is he so despondent, so terrified. The sight of the dejected, bewildered peacock suddenly brings to mind another image of desolation that I had forgotten. The picture of the bewildered peacock reminds him of the image of the forlorn and the suffering duck on the shore of the oil-soft sea which had come to be regarded as a symbol of the destruction and the suffering of the innocents in the war between Iraq and United States. He regrets that he did not write about that duck as he might have done. Had it been a royal swan, he would have surely written a piece on that. But there are no royal swans to write about. Only the peacock remains a noble link between the present and the past. I will share a piece uh, of writing on oil spills and how it uh, affects the wild animals and also uh, there, is a, um, there is an article about the story of uh, Malsia Vadar uh, uh, which will be shared towards the end of this particular lecture. In the last class we stopped where the author was talking about how the peacock flew away, uh, the lonely peacock flew away as he approached it. Uh, he also talked about the poor duck, duck who was affected by the oil spill and um, here we talk, uh, talked about the suffering, destruction and the suffering of the innocents in the war between Iraq and United States. He regrets that he did not write anything about the ducks at that time, like he is doing something now. He is actually writing a piece of, uh, piece of article, a piece of literature on peacocks because of the suffering they had due to the uh, Pokhran test. But he never did that for a duck. And his own thoughts uh, goes like this. I did not recognize the duck as a symbol of our times. I lacked the visionary insight to see that he had the grace of a prophet. It never occurred to me to write a story about him. I forgot about him completely. He was only a poor small duck, not a gorgeous peacock. About him, I am so anxious to write a story now. What if he had been a royal swan instead of a mere duck? So, this uh, particular uh, thought of the author actually talks about our own uh, thought, our own attitude towards life. How we react only when uh, only to certain issues, uh, only to certain. Uh, issues which are very particular to us or only when certain people are affected by the problems. So uh, the other things that it's because 
it was a duck it's because of it uh, it's it's because um the problem was faced by the duck that uh, he was not writing he was not writing a piece of literature about that particular duck had it been a swan he would definitely have written something about it since there are no royal swans in the world now as um there was earlier there is no use in writing anything about the royal swan there is only this peacock the forlorn peacock who remains as a noble link between the present and the past he then talks about uh, the dilemma earlier once upon a time when uh, when there was a confusion whether the royal swan or the peacock was to be considered as a king of the universe in those days royal swans used to swim in lakes that were as translucent as white pearls so here the poet uh, the author tells us that the water the changes that has happened in our own nature since he has already mentioned that there are no more swans he is here mentioning the reason why there are no more swans it might be due to the polluted water which is no more clear and he says that the lakes are dry the rivers polluted the air thick with dust and smoke of bombs the royal swans have flown away in search of clear air and pure water they exist only in the world of fables and myths only the poor ducks and geese have been left behind to bear the burden of her times so this particular words by the author says more about our own nature how it's polluted by the activities of human beings and how only the poor pe- poor uh, living things are suffering from these activities none of the royal swans are being affected by the activities of the uh, human beings the narrator then recalls the peacocks he had seen in the past one of them sat on his terrace when he was a child and uh, while he was about to catch it it escaped from his hands his grandmother had then told him not to t- trouble the bird of paradise which had been exiled from the garden of eden by god for having brought Sa- satan into the garden satan had disguised himself as an old man and the peacock had carried him over the wall of paradise when the gatekeepers had refused to let him enter so the peacock had been punished and sent to wander on the earth so in the te- in the text in page number 47 the words of the grandmother goes like this you should never trouble a peacock son he is the bird of paradise dadima reprimanded me the bird of paradise i asked in wonder what is he doing here he is paying for his mistake what did he do to be so punished oh my son he is so innocent but he got trapped in the wiles of that wretch satan how did he tra- get trapped in the wiles of satan that wretch disguised himself as an old man and went to the gates of paradise he pleaded with the gatekeepers to let him in but the gatekeepers saw through his disguise and recognized that the old man was satan himself 
so they refuse to open the gates once this is how the story uh, went like in the text so after hearing the story of how uh, about the fall of the peacock or how the peacock who once used to sit on the wall of the paradise is now sitting on the wall of our own terrace the author feels sorry for the peacock and he tells this to his grandmother uh, and his grandmother's reply was yes son this is that is what happens when we are exiled from our own courtyards now all he can do is find something to sit on any wall around any courtyard any tree or hill where he can find a foothold so the grandmother's words is actually indicating something else she tells us that once we are out of out of our own habitat or our own a uh, special place we might not have an option of living uh, living life the way we want we might have to choose we we might not have a choice we might have to live in a totally unsatisfactory manner he then recounts another incident he had seen another peacock in sravasti and it looked like a lone survivor from the days when buddha lived there with his monks returned to returning to a basti near nisamuddin in delhi which was desolate after it had been looted he hears the lonely cry of another peacock though it remains invisible in his imagination he travels back in history and hears the song of peacocks in the gardens of indraprastha the city of the pandavas returning from there he vis- visits kurukshetra the site of the great war realizing that he has been wandering long and far he prepares to return home but he makes a short trip to rajasthan to see if the peacocks have returned he discovers that they have come back but they scream in terror and fly away as soon as he goes near them and then he realizes with a shock that he is being followed by the shadow of ashwadhama the great criminal of mahabharat who must have joined him at kurukshetra ashwadhama had been cursed by krishna to lead a lonely hated and miserable life for 3000 years because he had been uh, because he had thoughtlessly used brahmastra towards the end of the war and tried to kill the unborn children of pandavas he was a symbol of horror guilt and thought uh, and thoughtless destruction brought by war just like united states of america dropping bombs over cities so from page number 49 onwards it is a story of dronacharya and ashwadhama the son of uh, dronacharya and in the uh, text it says dronacharya was his ma- was a man of such profound learning that all great warriors of the pandavas and the kauravas used to bow down to him and touch his feet ashwadhama his son had inherited many of his father's qualities but he didn't have his wisdom in the war between the pandavas and the kauravas uh, the teacher dronacharya and his own disciple arjuna were in the opposing camps and fighting each other 
both however had taken a vow never to use the brahmastra which is the most dreadful weapon um, the secret of which dronacharya had confessed only to his own favorite disciple arjuna so brahmastra here the uh, the secret of brahmastra was actually uh, revealed to ashwadhama before uh, dronacharya died and he had warned him that he should never ashwadhama should never use it because it will kill everyone it will actually burn everything but ashwadhama did not keep his word since dronacharya was killed and there was no one left to um, block ashwadhama or restrain ashwadhama from using brahmastra he decided to use that he decided to stake everything and release the brahmastra so the last days of the war was always very fearful they are almost unpredictable while hearing this particular story of uh, story of uh, ashwadhama and dronacharya you might be reminded more about the recent wars that has that have occurred that has occurred in the world maybe uh, when um, america and even china or south korea or any of these countries and iraq or iran or many of these countries are threatening about the use of uh, nuclear weapon so each and every during the uh, due, while the war comes to an end or while the war reaches its peak each and every country uh, gets tempted to use the most powerful weapon or at least they threaten others that they will use this particular weapon and destroy everything this is what happened in hiroshima also when the bomb was dropped nuclear bomb was dropped in hiroshima years ago and we know what happened or what is happening even now because of the effects of that particular uh, bomb blast nuclear explosion at kurukshetra it was ashwadhama who acted foolishly and used the brahmastra when sri krishna heard that ashwadhama what ashwadhama had done he said to arjuna o arjuna dronacharya's foolish son o arjuna dronacharya's foolish son has released the brahmastra now all living things will be destroyed only you can counter the weapon weapon act quickly before everything is reduced to ashes so what did arjuna do you all are familiar with this story arjuna is forced to take out his own his brahmastra and release it to neutralize ashwadhama's weapon it is said that when arjuna released the brahmastra the fire was so intense that its flames singed all the three worlds its heat even scorched the distant forest where vyasa rishi was in meditation and when vyasa realized what has uh, what had happened he said oh evil ones what great injustice is this the entire world will be destroyed recall your weapons so uh, when vyasa asked both arjuna and ashwadhama to recall the weapons so that the world might not be destroyed because of the effects of brahmastra ashwad arjuna immediately recalled his weapon but ashwadhama was unrepentant he was not ready to take it back and he said all i can do is 
change to change its direction so instead of falling on the pandava army it will fall on the women strike the wombs and destroy the fetuses the pandavas shall have no heirs and the clan shall come to an end hearing this krishna gave um, krishna cursed uh, ashudama saying that since he has he is a killer he sins he is a sinner uh, by killing a lot of uh, children and un- even unborn children he will have to wander along the forest for 3000 years and his wounds will not heal it will always be fresh and it will have pus and blood flowing from them always and it will sting and people will run away in disgust when whenever they saw him uh, i guess this is enough for today's uh, class so in today's class we basically talked about uh, one um, the kaurava pandava war where brahmastra was used and also certain reminiscences certain anecdotes that the author had in the past and where he remembers uh, his own encounter with um, peacocks um while discussing while reading through the story you will have to notice the fact uh, the fact that jataka tales um, and his own uh, grandmother's tales about peacocks uh, even mythical stories are being woven into the narrative uh, narrative sequence in in such a way that it all, um, it gels very much very well into the story so in the last class uh, we stopped where we were talking about how ashwatthama was cursed by krishna um, for for using brahmastra after in the in the uh, particular in this particular story like uh, chronicle of peacocks after this particular sequence the other um, it's the thoughts of the author that comes in between he does not uh, pro- continue with the story uh, now he takes a break and he thinks about uh, his own he is actually worried about the shadow which is following him in the beginning of the story itself uh, we talked about how Uh, the other things that a spirit or a shadow is actually following him he has realized in between that this particular shadow is ashwatha ashwadhama uh, the cursed ashwadhama who was walking alone for 3000 years um so he is troubled by the other is actually troubled by the so uh, by the spirit of ashwadhama he wants to get rid of it so he thought uh there is mirabai samadhi nearby he'll get shelter shelter there and ashwadhama's spirit won't be able to follow him then he thought there is the darga of khwaja maunudin moinudin uh, in the vicinity and the spirit evil spirit will definitely won't be able to enter the darga no matter no matter what path i took he followed me like a shadow so wherever the other was going to escape from the spirit the spirit was following him after this particular paragraph or after this particular thought about how to get rid of the spirit uh, again we are brought back to the old story of ashwadhama 
were and the effects of brahmastra were uh, each and every kid each and every child born in the uh, pandavas uh, pandava clan was killed by um, the uh, killed by the uh, brahmastra and it was uh, hoped that abhimanyu's wife it was uh, in this particular story the uh, abhimanyu's wife uttara gives birth to a son but he also did not survive he, uttara collapsed after giving birth to a stillborn child so there was cry and uh, sorrow every crying uh, crying and sorrow everywhere in each and every clan the brahmastra had rendered the wombs of all the women barren but sri krishna had actually promised subhadra earlier that he will not let her daughter in law's womb remain barren so with this promise because of this promise krishna had to give life back to uttara's dead son thus parikshit was born or parikshit was alive again and parikshit in the coming years uh, adorned the throne when vyasa uh, came to the court parikshit washed vyasa's vyasa's feet in a bowl of rose water stood before him and folded his with folded hands bowed his head and said o oh, wise one with your permission can i ask you a question with to which vyasa replied our son maharaj all the elders of our family were present at kurukshetra there were wise and knowledgeable men amongst the pandavas and the kauravas why didn't they understand that in war everyone has to pay a heavy price that war destroys everything annihilates everything vyasa sighed and replied son during times of war even the best of men lose their heads besides that which is fated must must come to pass so from the above words of vyasa and uh, parikshit we um, come across the most prominent or most important question that we also think about whenever there is a war in and around why do people not think about the problems of war or the issues the after effects of war whenever there is a war vyasa's answer is the apt one whenever there is a war people never think about the consequences of war even the wise people might actually not think about all those they uh, in vyasa's words they lose their heads they actually go blank they actually uh, not do not think about any of those consequences whenever there is a war this is what happen in in our world also whenever the whenever there is a whenever there was a war in the world the first and the third, second world war are examples of uh, the consequence consequences uh, that ha- that has affected the world a lot even after having the two world wars we are even there are even thoughts about the third world war even now we know each and every country dreads about a war how india was um, thinking 
about attacking china when there was a there was a similar attack from china so uh, the consequences of war be it from any any part from be it from any country is very drastic and nobody thinks about the consequences whenever they jump into it um parikshit died after being bit, uh, bit by a snake but his own question remains in, um, alive even now it, it's being remembered even now by each and every one the other things that he, uh, the spirit of ashwadhama began to follow him while he was roaming in and around rajasthan i felt as if i were walking between two shadows this is what the author says at first i was surprised to see ashwadhama oh this cursed man hasn't yet completed his 3000 years the other things whether the question that ashwadhama asked is still alive in fact it seemed to be even more urgent in the present it hung over india and pakistan like a sword but that which is fated must come to pass so as vyasa said there is a fate and what is written in fate will all, all uh, will always come vyasa vyasa evaded the question and refused to answer it that is why it still hovers over us demanding an answer ashwadhama's shadow was bad enough why the author wanted to get rid of ashwadhama's spirit somehow so he thought uh, he thinks that the spirit won't be able since he is living his uh, his he is living in pakistan and uh, the spirit won't be able to cross the borders so he thought of going back to pakistan um, and he thinks that he somehow was able to cross the border and get back to his own uh, mother country uh, and he thinks that he has escaped from the evil spirit he uh, then recalls the story of bedal pachisi i'll share the story of bedal pachisi in the um, group uh he he thinks that it is only a story in in stories it is only in stories that evil spirits continue to cling to living beings he thinks he is free at last he is relieved and uh he thinks of the peacocks from different countries and started to recall the song the sound of the songs and to have some peace of mind and he is in his his own imaginary world then he has an he has a uh, divine vision of a peacock it spread its tail like a fan over the entire universe and danced i walked in its shadow as i approached my house i heard the soft footsteps behind me i quickly turned around i was paralyzed with fear ashudhama had followed me home so the author, uh, since author was thinking that when when he left india and when he was back in his own uh, country ashwadhama had actually left him but this was just a myth ashwadhama was following him everywhere and the author ends uh, the story by saying that oh my creator oh my protector when will this evil spirit complete this curse of 3000 years when will i be able to write my morinama my chronicle of the peacocks so uh, this particular 
uh, worry, this particular thought of um, spirit following the order actually indicates that the, uh, the trouble of war is still there. We are never thinking about the consequences of war and a war can happen any day, today or tomorrow due to any silly reason. So this is an impending uh, disaster that can happen any time. The author here seeks the help of uh, many uh, mythical characters, many imaginary characters uh, to bring to life the problem of war and how it affects the human beings and the uh, other living, thing, living beings almost the same way.